0: In a country like Nicaragua, the church is the only national institution with the independence to challenge the human rights abuses and the political abuses of the regime.
1: Hello and welcome to the USURF Spotlight podcast, a weekly podcast series by the United States Commission on International Religious Freedom, where we take a deep dive into religious freedom conditions around the world, breaking the situation down for you. Each week, we focus on a different country, region, or topic. Not only do we analyze and explain the religious freedom situation to our listeners, but we also make policy recommendations to the United States government in order to address the immense challenges we bring to light here. Now, here is the host of our show, USERF Director of Outreach and Policy, Dwight Bashir, to lead today's discussion.
2: Welcome to USERF Spotlight. Today, we're going to discuss religious freedom conditions in Nicaragua, the largest country in Central America. Back in April of 2018, during protests against reforms to the public pension system, Catholic clergy provided aid and sanctuary to and voice support for the protesters. As a result, President Daniel Ortega used his government and supporters to persecute members of the clergy, worshipers, and various Catholic organizations. The government also targeted Protestant institutions and individuals, especially those who have spoken out uh, against the government. Now in 2021, the backdrop for religious freedom violations has not been the ongoing protests as it had been the last few years, but rather the run up to the general election in which President Ortega sought re-election and won for a fourth consecutive term in what was widely considered as a sham election. The State Department has placed Nicaragua on its special watch list for severe religious freedom violators since 2019, which USERF has also recommended most recently in our 2021 annual report. To explore these dynamics further and to better understand the range of uh, violations occurring in Nicaragua, Today, we have with us Christopher Youngquist, advisor for Latin America in the Office of International Justice and Peace at the US Conference of Catholic Bishops. Welcome, Christopher. Thank you, Dwight. It's great to be here. Excellent. To start off with, if you, it'd be great if you could explain to our audience briefly uh, the political and social context uh, surrounding the deterioration of religious freedom conditions in Nicaragua.
0: Uh, Certainly. Yes. So you very well summarized that uh, this entire crisis began in 2018 when Daniel Ortega, um, after basically a a decade of deteriorating democratic uh, conditions in Nicaragua, tried to effect a very unpopular social security reform. And as you said, the church in Nicaragua, as a civil society leader, defended the right to peacefully protest. Um, But there is something fundamental that I want to emphasize here about, and something that actually goes to the crux of Orteguismo, Sandinismo, the, the ideological umbrella under which the government of Daniel Ortega and Rosario Murillo operate. Sandinismo, since the 1970s and 1980s, has wrapped itself in a mantle of political messianism. The movement sees itself as the national savior, the national liberator, and they use use words like this. They they use the words uh, anointed by God for, quote-unquote, sacred Nicaragua. Archbishop Brolio and I visited Nicaragua in 2018 at the height of the crisis, I remember listening to the first lady's rhetoric, Rosario Murillo, who uh, as you know, is really uh, considered by everyone to be the real power behind the throne. Well, her speeches are a theatrical and flamboyant brand of political preaching in which she combines Christian symbology with new age occultism and proclaims Nicaragua's allegiance to quote unquote, God and Daniel, Daniel as in Daniel Ortega. They even dress statues of Mary in Sandinista colors. Um, And like most totalitarian ideologies, Sandinismo is hegemonic. It seeks to bring the entirety of Nicaraguan society, especially religion, under the ideological control of its movement. So when an institution like the Catholic Church, with its 2,000-year history and with 60% of the Nicaraguan population belonging to it, believing in its teachings. When an institution like that calls Ortega and his wife to account, conflict is inevitable. Political messiahs do not like to be questioned.
2: Indeed, uh, very astute observation. Uh, And you know, uh, obviously we've observed quite a bit of rhetoric and verbal attacks by President Ortega, and you mentioned his wife, Vice President Murillo. Um, having uh, been making uh, statements targeting members of the clergy, what is it that President Ortega and his, and his wife, the Vice President, uh, as you say, the, the real power behind the scenes, what do they hope to gain from this kind of hate speech against the Catholic Church?
0: Sure. It seems like um, what they really want to gain is silence. Um, They're trying to gain silence through intimidation. They want silence from the national conscience. Now, as I said, 60% of the population is Catholic. 60% look to the church, and the rest, you know, look to the to the Protestant ministers who are in line with the Catholic Church on this. I mean, here we have a full Christian front advocating for uh, for civil liberties, for uh, uh, plurality in the democratic process. Um, and it's it's that it's that silence from the national conscience that they want silence from the message of reconciliation that the church is preaching even now. I mean, it, it's a, we have to understand that in a country like Nicaragua, the church is the only national institution with the legitimacy and the credibility, and crucially, Dwight, with the independence to challenge the human rights abuses and the political abuses of the regime. And I I wish that that the attacks had only been verbal, as as horrible as the verbal attacks continue to be. And just last week, the the vice president again called the bishops terrorists. And uh, to me, knowing that Nicaragua has very specific anti-terrorism legislation, to me that sounds like a threat it's not just an insult it's not just a rhetorical flourish if uh, it, it seems like the first couple continue to call bishops terrorists and this could be you know god forbid but this could be a prelude to uh uh to some sort of you know farcical prosecution effort and uh, um i mean it, it it's a, it's a, i can't even repeat online some of the things that they but it's constant, and the attacks have actually been uh, uh, the physical attacks uh, were mostly from 2018 to 2020. But in 2020, of course, uh, as you as uh, as you sort of reported very well, the cathedral was attacked in what the Cardinal of Managua called a terrorist attack. I mean, a 400-year-old crucifix brought o- over from from Spain was severely damaged, and so it, it's a it's a um, it's not just verbal assaults, but the verbal assaults. You know, as I said, um, could it could it you know be a prelude to something even more sinister?
2: Yeah, that sounds very ominous. Uh, some of this rhetoric, but also uh, some of the other kinds of attacks you're talking about. Can you can you give us a flavor of some of the other ways in which the uh, Ortega government puts pressure on worshipers in particular? And and can you tell our listeners about some of the the, the issue of the foreign-born priests having their visas canceled? Something we've reported on.
0: Sure. Um, y- yes, it's a it's a something that we need to get you know, to to understand to get clear. Is that uh, religious freedom in the way that uh, that the Catholic Church understands it, and and in the way that the Protestant uh, denominations understand it? Religious freedom does not begin or end. In the church building, you know, uh, this is especially the case the case for the Catholic Church, which has you know such a comprehensive set of Catholic social teaching that uh, that teaches you know that political structures and politicians must recognize, respect, and promote human dignity and freedom, and uh, and so in in, in a sense. Uh, Um, You know, what the bishops are saying is that the, the killing of over 300 demonstrators in 2018, the continued incarceration of political opponents, the violent assaults on peaceful protesters, and in 2021, election fraud, according to the Catholic Church, these are grievous sins against the common good. And it is within the parameters of religious freedom to express opposition on religious grounds to these sins against the common good, I emphasize that Dwight, because you know some people say, "Well, you know the parishes are open, the government's not closing them down." Yes, but uh, but religion is uh, is uh, um, it's a philosophical system that informs um, every aspect of uh, of of, uh, of a person's life, and uh, in that sense. Uh, The continued violations against conscience, against the conscience of uh, political prisoners, constitute violations against religious freedom. The, The cancellation of visas is a perfect example, furthermore, on how the regime would love to isolate the church from the world. Um, they recognize that the Catholic Church, you know, worldwide has a bi- a billion members, and it has uh, uh, you know some of the most sophisticated uh, diplomatic uh, resources in the world, and that is seen as a threat. And so, uh, you know, the, the cancellation of, uh, of visas is one way to try to isolate the church. Um, you know, on on this on November seventh, the day of that fraudulent election in Nicaragua, I had here in Washington uh, Bishop Silvio Baez was you know had to had to escape Nicaragua and is now living in Miami. I had him here in Washington um, as a guest of Archbishop uh, Timothy Brolio, and they celebrated Mass together on the day. Of the fraudulent elections, um, they celebrated mass here in Washington, and right after the mass, we got a phone call from a Nicaraguan Monsignor who uh, had his passport confiscated uh, at, at the airport. And so, so it's a it's a general crackdown, and in terms of uh, of uh, of uh, the cancellation of visas, um, it's the desire to really isolate the church. Something which is not going to happen. But, uh, but, it's, uh, but it's certainly an ambition of uh, the, the Ortega-Murillo uh, first couple.
2: Certainly. And I mean, I think it, uh, it tracks with what you were saying, that the, the church is kind of one of the only independent voices to call out uh, human rights and religious freedom violations. This is certainly a way to try to uh, control that to the best they can. As you know, President Biden signed the reinforcing Nicaragua's adherence to conditions for electo- electoral reform act. It's a long title there of 2021. (laughs) Um, He signed it into law uh, only a few months ago, and that establishes measures to monitor, report on, and address corruption and human rights abuses in Nicaragua. Can you tell me anything about how that law might um, play a role in improving the religious freedom situation in Nicaragua? And What else, in your estimation, can the US government do to help
0: bring about more positive uh, change there? sure um so first of all this is a very positive development um it is vital that the u.s keeps its attention focused on Nicaragua and uh, and the regime's human and political rights violations individual sanctions as president biden um you know enacted are another step in the right direction it's a, it, it's it's critical that uh, that there, that there be some level of accountability um it's a you know, also, the U.S. is an extremely important trading partner for uh, the Central American nation, for Nicaragua. And uh, we really need to make it clear that, uh, you know, at the at the level of, of of a country's conscience, trade presupposes at least a thin substrate of common values on the issue of U.S. foreign policy. We need to be aware that the situation in Nicaragua also has prompted an exodus of nicaraguans so this is a you know it, it, it the the issue transcends religious freedom it transcends even our our nations uh, uh you know uh, valuation of human rights you know from uh, from june up until the end of last year of 2021 there were over 38 000 migrants, uh, uh, 38,000 Nicaraguans at the border compared to 800 in 2020. So what uh, what the Ortega Murillo you know first couple is doing is also you know causing an exodus that uh, that concerns uh, uh, the U.S. government uh, um, you know in in in, in ways that uh, transcends religious freedom. But I would say Dwight that uh, that uh, you know President Biden has done fantastic in in uh, uh, in the uh, the Renacer Act. And uh, I, would, uh, I would really urge, uh, you know, the administration to continue to focus on, on, on Nicaragua and to recognize that, uh, you know, the, the violations of, uh, of religious freedom, the violations of political and civil liberties will have consequences on the region and will have consequences on our own, uh, uh, you know, on our own borders.
2: Indeed. Um, And, you know, with that, uh, we hope that uh, certainly where they're justified, those that are responsible, those officials that are responsible for uh, egregious religious freedom violations, there can indeed be these targeted sanctions. We have now more tools in place now with this passage of this law, but other things like Global Magnitsky, as well as other tools that have been created to to bring accountability and 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 to those uh, officials responsible. Now, in a a concluding question, I wanted to get your thoughts. Uh, You've painted a fairly bleak picture, but what what does the trajectory look like here for the Catholic and Protestant churches writ large as far as religious freedom and the path forward under uh, these uh, deteriorating conditions?
0: Sure. Uh, Well, you know, it, the, I think the great silver lining in this entire mess, and, and and it is a horrific mess, but the great silver lining is that for the first time in the history of Nicaragua, at least to my knowledge, there has been a very real sense of fraternity between Catholics and Protestants in Nicaragua. Um, it, it's a you know this is a this is a big deal in Nicaragua. Actually, you know it's a uh, it has not happened in the past. As you know, you know, it is a lie that Ortega controls the evangelical churches. He does not. The Sandinistas control just a handful of evangelical pastors who have accommodated themselves to the regime. But the vast majority of evangelicals are united with the Catholic bishops. Um, Just one example of a a young man that I know very well. You know, he was here in Washington for a while in exile. Lester Aleman, who became famous when he uh, uh, confronted Ortega to his face uh, back in 2018. He's a student leader in Nicaragua. And, uh, you know, he's imprisoned. He's been beaten. He's uh, uh, probably been tortured. Uh, He's an evangelical. And uh, he's a he's a practicing evangelical, and uh, um, you know the the level of friendship that that he has with uh, Catholic activists is truly edifying. Um, also, when Archbishop Brolio and I went to Nicaragua in 2018 um the bishops and priests told us of how magnificent it was for Protestants to join them in Eucharistic procession for the common good of Nicaragua so the truth is you know there there is much more that unites Catholics and Protestants than divides us and on uh, on the common good and the various issues surrounding the common good we are united and uh, and they're united and uh, and so it's a uh, it's a uh, in in that sense um, another thing and uh, with this I'll conclude the bishops of Nicaragua are ministers of reconciliation and and you know passions flew very high in 2018 2019 2020 but it, it's 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 also true that uh, the bishops are bridge builders that's what the word uh, uh, bishop in Latin episcopal uh, in in um, uh, Pontiff in in Greek means a bridge builder, and so uh, um, and so it's a you know we should not lose hope. The bishops uh, uh, are willing to continue to exercise their ministry of reconciliation, and they need you know foreign support. Uh, but uh, but at the same time, you know they're open to uh, to dialogue and and to uh, enhance the prospects of their country.
2: Well, it's always good to to hear a silver lining in the midst of uh, a lot of difficulty and challenges. But that is good news in terms of the cooperation there with the two churches and uh, this hope uh, for a better future. We'll have to leave it uh, right here. I want to thank Christopher Youngquist for joining us today and sharing his insights and expertise about the situation in uh, Nicaragua, uh, the broader human rights and religious freedom uh, concerns, uh, you can find userf's reporting on Nicaragua and our full set of policy recommendations on our website. As always, thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on USURF Spotlight.
1: To learn more about USURF and about global religious freedom concerns, visit USURF.gov. That's U-S-C-I-R-F gov. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at U-S-C-I-R-F. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week for another USURF Spotlight.